You know, I've had conversations with people before who argue, you know, you don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. And my response to that is always, well, technically, no, you don't, but you get to go to church. Why would you not want to go to church if you're a Christian? We were designed and wired for relationship, especially with other believers. Uh, we see examples of that all over, all over the Bible. I mean, Jesus had his 12, and within that 12, he had three close friends. We see examples of that in the early church in Acts. And within that church, we have community. And within community, we have friendships, and accountability, encouragement. You know, when Gene and I first came here, we loved it here. Um, we, we felt like something was missing. Um, just like that, you know, we weren't maybe quite connected and, and we sensed that maybe uh, people, other people might be in the same situation as us or have the, having the same feelings. Um, so I went and talked with Pastor Dave and said, hey Dave, you know, uh, I'm just feeling this lack of maybe a community a little bit. What do you think about us starting a life group? I mean, is there any space available? We might be able to meet. Um, Dave said, yeah, go ahead, you know. And so, so I went around and it's not exactly a comfortable thing for me to do. Uh, you know, I just started going up cold turkey to people and saying, hi, I'm Jeremy. Um, I'm thinking about starting this group. Uh, would you be interested in joining? Uh, my wife and I and and actually the immediate response from a lot of them was yes absolutely we'd love that I remember the the Sunday that Jeremy approached me and and asked if my, my wife Lindsay and I would be interested in, in joining a, a life group or Bible study group with him and, and his wife and some other couples and uh, I remember feeling uh, very very excited very quick to, to say yeah for sure because it was something that um, that was on uh, on our hearts. It was something that that uh, Lindsay and I had prayed about, and that we were um, interested in. Felt like it was something that was missing uh, from our lives, and and so this was was that answer prayer. It was an opportunity to to connect and to uh, join in with with a group that was similar in age uh, as as us, and an opportunity to to do life with. Uh, with people that had a lot of similarities to us, it just allowed for uh, you know opportunity for growth for for our faith, uh, f just to pray for each other, to spend time together, uh, for accountability and study, and then it really kind of just uh, grew from there, and and the desire to become more connected and, in the church and just more involved um, was something that we felt was, um, you know, was really on our hearts as well. Um, whether it was just through uh, nursery or for me, it was an opportunity to get involved with the worship team and, and uh, helping with the sound. Uh, Vacation Bible School is another one that, we, uh, that we've spent time uh, helping with. And so uh, really kind of, for us, kind of goes back to, to that Sunday when Jeremy uh, approached us and, and the opportunity that we had to, to get connected with that Bible study group and uh, many uh, benefits and fruits have come from that. It's it's such a vital part of our of our Christian walk. We have so much uh, camaraderie, accountability, 
encouragement. You know, we pray together, we do Bible study together. It's just, it just makes the Christian walk so much better. So it's just more fulfilling. It's just easier to walk. It's more, it's, it's, it's more fun. It's, it's better when you have a group of Christians to do life together. And uh, we really wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, those guys did such a great job. They said everything that needs to be said, so let's just get out of here. <laughs> so really, essentially, we're looking at <clears throat> what do I need to, to know about where I need to go? And that's vision. Vision is always uh, a key component of anybody's life, having vision, knowing where you should be going, where you need to go. And, and, and vision plays such a vital role in, in that. And, and so essentially, uh, as a church, starting to talk about vision, we're starting at the core. And what is the scriptures and vision for our lives personally? And how does the church then help facilitate that as a role in your own life and then as a church? And so we ask ourselves three questions um, that I believe is fleshed out through scripture. These are core to my life. This is the life that God has envisioned for me. These are at the core of what's gonna happen with that. These are pillars, so to speak. And, and these are the three questions that I challenge you uh, to ask yourselves on a consistent basis and to be able to answer, put yourself in a position to be able to answer these questions affirmatively on a consistent basis. I truly believe that if you answer these questions on a habitual, 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 consistent basis over this next year, you'll walk in here on August the 20, whatever it is, 2017, and you say, you know what? I have grown in my relationship with the Lord. I have grown in my relationship to others, and I have found my purpose, uh, or I am seeing God's purpose for my life lived out, actualized, and maybe even in, in a greater way. And these questions are simply, did you worship? Now, worship is obviously a lifestyle, right? Uh, our lives are, are worship before the Lord. But did I put myself in a position that I worshiped him with my life? And part of that is God has constructed and designed his kingdom to work. He has designed it so that we come together corporately and we worship. And out of that, we are then re-energized or energized to worship him as a lifestyle. And so key to what the scriptures envision for us is a people who consistently come together in corporate worship to then be energized to live life as worship how did i connect how did i connect how did i connect to to the lord and how did i connect to other believers am i plugged in am i a part of the body of christ am i a uh, am i experiencing vibrant, life-giving relationships? Am I a part of something? And where did I serve? Where did, where, did, where did you serve? And so these are core to what the scriptures envision for our life. And so this week, we just wanna talk a little bit about the word connect. You know, it's amazing that in our culture where we have the opportunity now more than any other age to connect, 
we are actually becoming very disconnected. It's a weird phenomenon because we, uh, we have the ability to connect just right now. Isn't it amazing that right now, even with my iPad, I could just, uh, just get out of my notes here and start texting somebody in England and connect with them. It's crazy to think that we can do these kind of things now. The phenomenon of social media, which is all about really connecting, right? And Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, all those things. It's created to, uh, to help us connect. You know why these things are so big is because innately, innately we have the desire to connect. And then some of you who just aren't on Facebook, you're like, I just don't do the technology thing, right? <clears throat> Whoa. That's supposed to be kind of funny, but I guess not. I don't blame you. I'm not a huge Facebooker. But I, I love the, I, the ability to connect, right? Through any kind of uh, the mediums that we have. But you know what's happening in our culture? And maybe it's because these things are creating a false sense of connection a false sense of identity. They're kind of superficial. Hey, I've got a thousand Facebook friends. I must be connected. I don't talk to any of them in person or on the phone or, or I don't, I, but we're Facebook friends. So I, that's probably some of what's going on. But for whatever reason and however it's happening in, a, in, the, abil- in the opportunity to be most connected, we are becoming more and more disconnected. In fact, ask the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, they're making money hand over fist because we're disconnected and we're isolated and we're depressed about that and we're anxious about that and, we're, and so we're turning to, you know, to, 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 it's, it's exploding all this stuff in our culture. A lot of it's disconnection. We were wired to connect. It's an aid to our being. Just as last week we talked about worship being the way we were wired. Well, we were, we were created to connect and guess what? Connection is a core value of the church that Jesus has created. Connection, the idea of connection. You look right uh, as we are introduced to the, 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 the church, the early church is what we call it, the, the first people in the church, and, and what a powerful thing that was that happened then. It's something that we should always look to as to help us guide us as an example. It's been written in scriptures to give us an understanding. And we look quickly at what happened in the church in Acts 2.42. It, it, it's like these are core values of the church and it's things like they devoted themselves, they committed themselves, they gave their lives over to teaching and then to fellowship. And that word fellowship, as we've talked about about five months ago, is the word kononia. And it's a word that, um, it's not casual. They gave themselves to casual acquaintances at church. They gave themselves to, pe- they gave themselves to, the, to people at church where they saw once a week. And they said hi to as they headed to their seat. As they, no, no. There wasn't that kind of understanding. They gave themselves to a life of deep, connection to one another a partnership they were sharers of life together we do life together right we talk about that there was a togetherness to them that's a pillar that is a core value of what the church has always been created to do to create us to be connected it's innate to who we are and it's what the church 
It's what Jesus created. It provides that vehicle that we so desperately need. You know, uh, maybe some of you remember this. I remember this just because that night I came home from work and, and I think I ate dinner and turned on the news and I was right in the middle of this happening, this breaking news was um, the, the bridge that collapsed in Minnesota. Do you guys remember that about 10 years ago? Um, just rush hour and um, all of a sudden the bridge is packed because rush hour is slow and all of a sudden it just collapses. I remember, I still remember the images of that. I remember watching that live as uh, just a mess. Chaos, cars everywhere, split, you know, and, and I think it was, what, 13 lives lost? 145 people. It really kind of woke up a lot of things in our country because guess what's happening in every city? There's bridges and there's rush hour and there's a lot of traffic and they're like, whoa, we don't want to see this happen. But you know, they investigated what happened, of course, and they came down to the realization that the structure that they put into place in like the 60s when this bridge was built was, um, it just really wasn't designed to continue to sustain the weight that kept being put on the bridge. Because as time went on, they put more concrete on the, on the top. They, uh, they decided to divide lanes, and so they poured concrete, and they did all sorts of stuff. And really, the structure was not designed to handle that kind of weight. And over time, as the weight continued to sit on it, as it was, uh, as it, it was given a lot of traffic and all that kept beating it. Finally on that day in, in 2007, it finally had enough and it just collapsed. It, uh, its integrity was, was compromised, was it not? Because the structure in place was not sufficient. And I would remind you that in your life as a believer, as a Christian, the structures that need to be in your life, essential to that is a strong structure of connectedness, of being connected. And I would tell you that if this is not built into your life, it is a matter of time before you crumble and collapse and you begin to see uh, uh, breakage in your Christian life and, and you're not experiencing what God has always intended because we are created to connect and the church becomes a vehicle where we can connect and it's actually one of the primary ways that God works in our lives and then through our lives. It's things like um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. When he's starting to write this little book, basically this book was written so that you can know that you know that you're saved. You know, he wrote John to tell you about how you can be saved. He wrote 1 John to tell you, hey, you know what I told you? This is how you can know that you know. That's uh, big, right? I want to know that I know. I want to. That's what 1 John is all written about. And as he begins that book, he begins it. Uh, you know, a few things, that's, that I, John, was there. I touched and, and talked with Jesus Christ. I saw him with my eyes. I was, and this is what he says about that. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. 
Again, as that kononia word, he's interested in, hey, this is gonna work when there's this deep connectedness with us and our deep connectedness or our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things that you might have this deep connectedness with Jesus and with us so that what? Your joy may be complete. You wanna experience life at a level where you're just like, you know what? This is my purpose. This is why I'm here. This is what life has for me. This is why I was created. It's like, this is my joy being made complete. It's born out of a fellowship or kononia with Jesus Christ and with his church, his people. Amen? All right, so we're alive here. I'm not, haven't put anybody to sleep yet that I can see. I'm looking, Terry. No. <laughs> I'm teasing you, man. Ephesians has this cool dynamic where they, it, he continue, he really emphasizes this. Chapter two, he says, hey, you know, in him, there's a building that's joined together and it rises to be a temple in the Lord. Like you guys looked at the temple your whole life, that, that thing in Jerusalem and thought, wow, that's the greatest thing in the world. You know, that's the, I don't wanna say Mecca because we're Christian here, but <laughs> this isn't a Muslim gathering, but that is the pinnacle of everything is the temple in Jerusalem, right? That's where God dwells. That's where the, everything, he said, listen, not anymore, not anymore. It's not about a building somewhere. It's me building you guys together into becoming a temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In fact, there's this dynamic that when we're connected, God's spirit is just powerful. That's why in Acts, it talks about the disciples did this and crazy things happen and the world changed and one of the dynamics of that was always what? They were in one accord. They were together, they were connected. He says that in chapter two, then in three, he keeps going. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, man, I, I just pray that you get, you get a realization of how, what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and that you become established in that and you become firm in that, steadfast, and that you might have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how long, wide, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. How's that gonna happen? How are we gonna realize the love of God, this magnanimous love? It's together with all God's holy people. I have learned so much about the love of God through being connected to his church. I have. There's a lot of things I would not understand about God had I not been a part of his church and other people who have shown that to me, have witnessed to me, have testified to me about it, who I've observed him doing it in their lives. And that's what he's saying. We grasp together the love of God. Then he continues, he pushes it even a little farther in chapter four when he's talking about all the gifts and roles and talents people have and how they're used together. And he says, use all these things until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
In fact, he says, listen, people, my goal, my, you know, the whole big deal is to make you like Jesus. And in fact, the way I make you like Jesus is through my church, through people coming together, using their gifts and talents, edifying one another, building one another up, and doing uh, uh, things that, that, that show my will and my love into each other's lives. Ephesians is just full of that. He just bangs that drum over and over. Don't you get this? Don't you get this? And so, I would remind you that in the early church, there were no buildings. Did you know that? For 300 years, there wasn't ever a church. 300 years, there were no churches built. Did you know that? 300 years, the Roman, Empire, the Roman Empire went from persecuting, killing Christians to the church growing so much in so many places and becoming such an influence in its culture that 300 years later, the Roman Emperor Charlemagne just kind of a practical decision, honestly, not that he was a devout Christian, but he realized that there's so many Christians in our, in our empire now that we just ought to make this the official religion of the Roman Empire. And it was done without any buildings. Isn't that amazing? Because you know what at the heart of what this is about? It's being connected to one another. It's the people of God doing life together, growing together, and out of that being a witness to a world around them allowing one another to strengthen each other, grow each other until it just, it just explodes everywhere. And that's what happened. I read this comment by George Barna a few years ago. George Barna is somebody that all of us pastors pay attention to because he's really got his pulse, or his hand on the pulse of the church. He knows what's going on. He understands the dynamics of it. He studies it. He does all sorts of stuff. Bar Barna is everywhere. And he, he really is a good understanding of the, the condition of the church. And he, I was reading one of his books, and this phrase leapt off the page to me. I underlined it, you know, whatever. And I've actually, it's been something that I actually now, it's like one of those guiding foundational uh, principles to me. He said this. This is his observation, and it's done scientifically also, where he, he really has fleshed this out. The churches have done a good job of promoting the importance of spiritual maturity. Right? We have a lot of good pastors who say a lot of good things, who promote spiritual maturity, who point us toward Jesus Christ. But we have mostly failed to provide an environment in which spiritual growth is a lifestyle. We've done good about talking about it, but we've done a poor job of creating an environment where people can figure this out and it becomes a lifestyle. And that to me is such a bold challenge for my life. How can I as a pastor create an environment where people can experience growth spiritually as a lifestyle. Do you remember what I said last week about most of you, most of us 
we, uh, we give verbal agreement to what's said, right? I expect most of you to say, you know what, Pastor, what you're saying, that's, that's right. That's right, that's good. I, I've seen that, I know that, I see that, yeah. But that statement is that we most of all will give verbal agreement to it, but we will hold with conviction those things which we discover for ourselves. It's one thing to hear about it, it's another thing to experience it. And my, again, my passion here is, Lord, just create in our hearts this desire not only to know, hey, worship, connection, service, but am I experiencing it? And Barna says that a lot of churches don't do a very good job. They do a good job of telling us, hey, this is what should happen. They do a bad job in saying, hey, this is how it can happen. And this is a platform, uh, a way for it to happen. And so I feel like this is huge to who we are supposed to be, connected to one another. Now it begins with a connection to Jesus Christ, does it not? That there is no, there is no connection to one another outside of a connection to Jesus Christ. The, the idea of being a Christ follower is exactly that, of being a Christ follower. Um, Jesus said it this way. He said, if any man, Matthew chapter 16, sorry, uh, uh, Kip, that's my bad. Matthew 16, and Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Well, that doesn't sound too great, does it? Until you understand exactly what it means. You must deny their sinful nature. I'm interested in that. I'm totally good with that. Because you know what? Sin, it just absolutely enslaved me. It, it, it trips, it destroys me. It, 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 it causes uh, chaos and emptiness. And, and it causes bondage in my life. And so, hey, if I want to be Jesus' disciple, I'm going to deny that in my life. In fact, I'm going to take up my cross. Cross is always an instrument of death. Uh, sometimes we talk about bearing our crosses. Well, when you bury a cross, I mean, when you're bearing a cross, that means you're dying to something, right? Um, and, and Jesus is saying, you are not only denying yourself of your sinful nature, but you're dying to that sinful nature to follow me. You're doing a 180 and you're following me now completely. That's what it is to be connected to Jesus Christ. You know, honestly, Jesus never asked or invited people to say a prayer. <gasps> he didn't. Read his words all through scripture. When he's talking to somebody, he's inviting them to do one thing. Follow me. It's far more than a prayer. It begins with a prayer, sure. Sure. Repentance, faith, uh, confession, uh, all those things, absolutely. But Jesus' intent is never to create people who just say a prayer. It's always for people to follow him. Follow me. And so connection is built on this deep connection to Jesus Christ as his disciple, right? James chapter one says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
And so the church is a group of people that are deeply connected to Jesus Christ as his disciples. And then what flows out of that is the ability to have a deep connection to one another. And why not? What so often stops our relationships with one another is our own selfishness, right? Uh, you ever been around? I just can't, I just can't, you know. Or uh, you're around people, I just can't get along with anybody, you know. And, and pretty much all of us are saying, yeah, we know why, you know. <laughs> the issue's not everybody else, it's you, you know. That's really one of the biggest issues with our relationships is so often is our own selfishness, right? Um, although there are obviously people that, there's personality types that just don't maybe hit it off, right? There's some of you that right now, I know you'd say, I, I just couldn't be really good friends with Chip. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, really. I want to be your friend. But yeah, we might not get along great because we have different personalities, you know, and, and that's okay. There's all sorts of personalities and, and all that. So I'm not saying, you know, it's like, but really, mostly, the biggest problems in relationships is selfishness. And when we come to Jesus and become a fully devoted follower of him, deeply connected to him, that really deals with a lot of our selfishness and opens us up to then being able to have vibrant, connected relationships with one another. And so that's what he calls us to. That's what it's about. That's at core of what he's wanting to do is a deeply connected people. A worshiping people and a deeply connected people. And he, all through scripture, we see how this comes about. It's through things like this, what I would call the one another's. The one another's that are all through the New Testament. It's things like you're gonna find over and over, God calls us to love one another. Love is doing uh, uh, something that's in the good interest of another person, right? To love somebody. Love one another. How am I connected? Loving one another. Forgiving one another. I could really sit here for quite a while with a lot of scriptures. There's a lot of stuff, and I've got a number of stuff, but I'm not going to. But basically, it, it's, the scriptures call us to be connected to one another is a call for us to forgive one another, right? But we, we are now of a mindset that is we are forgiven people. So why in the world wouldn't I forgive since I've been forgiven so much? And when forgiveness is, is present in a community, when forgiveness is present in relationships, it creates the ability for deep connection. I would dare say that most, that most of us at times, some of our biggest struggle has been uh, being able to come to a point where we forgive somebody else and we're not bitter against them and we're not resentful to them, right? I'm not alone on that, right? One of the biggest deals we all deal with. How in the world do I forgive this person? Or I, you know, there's resentment, there's bitterness, there's all this stuff. But he calls us to a life that ultimately comes down and says, you know what, I forgive them. And in that kind of atmosphere, environment, connection can happen and deep relationship happens. Uh, there's things like confess to one another. In environment, confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you what? 
may be healed. There is, we need connection to, uh, we need to be able to have a, an environment where we can be vulnerable with one another and we can confess. Did you hear some words that Jeremy and Eric were using when they were talking about the benefits of their small group? They used the word accountability a number of times. I didn't know what they were gonna say, okay? That wasn't programmed by me. They weren't like just parrots, you know, reading off a script. They just did their thing. We just asked them to come in and do their thing. They talked about accountability, the ability to have an environment where I confess and I feel comfortable and these people are really for me. We see this in sports teams all the time. It's amazing. The best sports teams are the teams that keep one another accountable, that have people that say, hey, dude, you're dogging at this practice. We're not gonna be very good come game three if you're dogging it in practice five. Let's go. You know what I mean? They hold each other accountable. They look out for one another. We hold each other up. We rebuke sin in one another. We restore one another. What a beautiful scripture in Galatians about if a brother sins or falls, it doesn't say, hey, go jump on him and kick him when he's down or go broadcast it to the entire town. It says, you know what, when you see a brother who's fallen and he's, you know, he's destroyed by his sin and it says, go to him and restore him. It talks, this is what we do for one another and in this environment of connection to this level, we, I seriously have seen this, we help people who have fallen to get back up. (laughs) Because you know what, so often the world, if you fall, you just, you get kicked. So often people just give up and they really begin to make a series of bad choices. And yet in this context of the body of Christ, we're so connected to one another, one of us falls, we're there to try to, what can I do? I just wanna, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm with you in this. Get back on your feet. Encouragement, restoring somebody. Praying for each other, obviously, caring for one another, comforting one another, admonishing one another, edifying one another, teaching one another. This is what the scriptures are full of in this idea of how do I connect to others. You know, 17th century England was a really bad place. Um, sometimes we bemoan our own culture, but I, sometimes we just probably need a little context. 17th, inch, 17th century England was a place where one out of two children were born out of wedlock. One out of every six houses were bars. The death rate was high because people drank cheap gin and died from what they drank. Many people were sent to asylums. Social classes were very apparent. Talk about social warfare. Um, It definitely was present there. There were the have and the have-nots. It was very apparent. Uh, Prostitution was commonplace. Uh, Crime was increasing with the the economy there. Um, The theater was awful. It was so debased. It was so godless. It was so heathen. Profanity was universal. In fact, it was said that some of the people who cussed were judges and preachers. It was nothing to go to, to a worship service in 17th century and hear your pastor just cuss. I'm interested to know what would happen if I did. 
I have a weird mind sometimes. I've no, but it's awful. There was twice as many burials as baptisms. Government was correct, corrupt. The Church of England was full of corruption. One of the phrases was "Be not righteous over much." <laughs> it wasn't a, there wasn't a very high standard. Uh, the priests were drunkards. Deism was the theology, basically the idea that God just wound the earth up and let it go, didn't really care. And you know what, in the middle of that, there was a few people that started, that got deeply connected to Jesus Christ. And then out of that, they started to share this with others. And over time, the whole culture changed in England to the point where historians today will tell you that the English did not go into a civil war like the French did because of one thing, and that was the great awakening that happened. And that was the awakening that happened with John Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, kind of at the core of that. And you know what they firmly believed in? They believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ a deep connection to Jesus Christ, but in a connection with one another. And they taught and modeled and set up this whole structure of small groups. They call them classes then. They call them bands then. But essentially it was the idea that we're gonna do life together as believers. And you know what it began to do as people grew in their faith? And obviously, as they grew in their faith, they were witnessing more and more to others, and people were seeing it and wanting in on it. And all of a sudden, it just spread like wildfire through that whole culture and changed the culture. And at the core of that was this idea of kononia, this deep fellowship with one another. I truly believe that the church has absolutely got to be a place where we provide opportunity and a platform for people to be deeply connected to one another. That's one of the things we ought to be doing. We ought to at least give the opportunity for. We ought to create an environment where all these one another's can be lived out in a healthy way. What we intentionally do as a church, we're always thinking, how in the world can this better our connection to one another? Obviously to Jesus Christ, but to one another. And that's core to what the scriptures have always been about teaching us. We do this together. In fact, together is the way that God accomplishes his purposes in our lives and through our church. And this is core to who we are. We're a worshiping people, but we are a connected people. And so for us, personally, your personal vision, asking yourself, how did I connect? As a church, we're asking ourselves, how are we providing opportunities for people to connect? I believe that's primary to what we're about. And going forward, those are gonna be core things to what we filter everything through, right? Make a decision, is it gonna facilitate that? Is it, this is, this is core to who we are. 
We do it already through a lot of different avenues. There's already a lot of different opportunities. Life groups. Um, there's all sorts of groups going on. There, life groups will be starting in September again. You'll have a chance if you're not involved with that to get involved with that. We'll start actually in January a second wave of life groups um, coming up. There's, there's life groups on Sunday morning here. They're on wherever. We're already doing that, trying to create a place to connect. We're just gonna continue to push that, that down the road because we absolutely believe that a healthy church, a growing church, a church that's on its mission is a connected church. Deeply connected to Jesus Christ and deeply connected to one another. Father, Lord, uh, I've probably said nothing new to people today, and that's okay. I'm not here to say anything new. In fact, if I'm saying something new, then something's off. But Lord, I'm just reminding us and revisiting to us the importance of being connected. We so desperately need that. Lord, it's been, the, it's been fellow believers who have, have strengthened my life in so many ways. I would not be here if it wasn't for others. Uh, through your grace, obviously, and you working through their lives and speaking into mine. And so, Lord, that's what we know and want to have here. We thank you for a, a loving church and, a, and such a good environment, Lord. Just continue to help us to know what that means and how that's lived out more and more in our lives and in our church life. Help each one here to personally be able to answer the question, how did I connect in an affirming way as on a consistent basis? But then also help us as a church to be a church that's always looking for how is this going to help people, one, connect to Jesus, and two, connect to each other. Because that's, that's what you want to do. So Lord, help us to sink in. Help us to take it to heart. Help us to live it out. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.